two to go. Trip to the Sweet 16. Katie's got it. Rises up. The shot. And it's gone! It's gone! Wisconsin has won it! And while there are a lot of fantastic places all across our country to spend a fall weekend, if you were to ask me today if Madison, Wisconsin is the best in all of them, I would borrow from Bono and say it was Saturday night. Welcome to Bucky Cast, a Badger podcast by the fans, for the fans, with the fans, where we promise to never talk about Tyler Hero. Seriously. Ever. And now, here's your hosts, John, Justin, and Ryan on Wisconsin. Hello there, BuckyCast fans. This is Justin. I'm here once again with John and Ryan. How are we doing tonight, boys? Good, man. How are you guys? Doing good. Doing good. <laughs> John, you, little... John, you always sound like There's so... A, bring in the energy, John. I, I'm, I'm still a little hungover from this weekend. So. So, and you're still drinking. Dynamite. Well, yeah. Dynamite <laughs> drop-in money. Those six years of broadcast school really paid off. Six. All right. What are we drinking tonight, boys? All right. So I've got a wonderful citrusy IPA. We have um, a little brewery right down the road from us called Fox Farm. Uh, from the soils come the spoils. So that's what I'm I'm down in today. I am uh, working on a uh, beer from my favorite uh, brewery in Wisconsin, or one of my favorites. Uh, it's Bullfalls Brewery in Wausau, Wisconsin, and I'm drinking a Hefeweizen Ale from them. Very good uh, German wheat beer, nice and nice and hazy, and uh, definitely get, has a good fruity taste to it. Smooth drinking. Nice. I'm drinking a little Goose Island 312. Uh, it's my probably one of my favorite go-to beers to have in the fridge. Uh, so this is one that I normally get to. It's a, it's a wheat ale. I'm a big fan of the Weed Owls, uh, that Red's Darker Brews. All right, boys. Well, let's, without further ado, let's get rolling. Um, we're going to do a little bit of news and notes here tonight. Um, we're going to go over a couple of things. Uh, one of the big things that took place, I'm going to go ahead and tip over to John and discuss that. The Wisconsin Lady Badgers have brought back to Wisconsin a natty. Uh, it's their sixth national championship, all of them under head coach Mark Johnson. Uh, they scored in overtime to win it on an absolutely sick goal by Daryl Watts. Um, she knocked it in off of the back of a defenseman uh, from behind the net. She said she was aiming for the goalie and hit the defenseman instead. Uh, regardless, it went in. Uh, I was watching live. I didn't know what had even happened. Because uh, I didn't think it was possible to knock the puck in from behind the net, but she did it. And uh, they brought home another national championship. Um, congratulations to them. Congratulations to Mark Johnson, who is, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the GOAT of, of women's hockey coaches, at least collegiately. Uh, he's done a phenomenal job. Legacy Badger hockey player. And, uh, yeah, they've been awesome this year, uh, just grinding and, and really digging out a lot of important wins. That's back-to-back. Back. Right. Yes, it is. Last year yep. was canceled, so that's back-to-back. Back. Take that, Minnesota. <laughs> we've we've <laughs> tied you now. You We have as many national titles as you do in women's hockey, and I know for a fact that this is a big deal 
in Minnesota because you guys cried about how you got excluded from the tournament this year. It all didn't matter. We still brought it home. So what you're saying is we should go ahead and take that around the state of Minnesota and just show it off. Oh, I would, I would drive the girl, I would drive the ladies all over the state with that trophy strapped to the top of my car, like a big party bus, like blaring, giant bucket head on top of it. Does our our in-state recruiting go to women's hockey also there? Mm. I, I, I I don't know if it even matters. It's, it's, it's a very niche sport, women's hockey. Um, Not a lot of people follow it even now, even though it's been around for a while. Uh, honestly, all you really need to know about it is that Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Minnesota Duluth have essentially dominated it for most of its existence, along with a couple of small um, schools from out east, out in uh, out in Ryan territory. Nice. Ryan's pumping moving his on. fist, even though you can't see it. Moving on to uh, Ryan here with news and notes. Ryan, you had a little bit of news on us on Reggie Pearson. Yep. So Reggie Pearson entered the transfer portal, um, the safety fresh redshirt freshman. And this is something that has been kind of going on behind the scenes for a while. I think we all realized last year when he sat out that something medically happened. It looks like Wisconsin's medical staff won't clear him for some reason, probably erring on the side of caution, which is hard to argue with. But he's going to continue to try to play football. So he entered the transfer portal. He already has two scholarship offers from Missouri State and Eastern Kentucky. So there's definitely going to be something on the table for him. Um, what his medical condition is and what the details are. They're not public, nor should they be. But from a football standpoint, Pearson, he burst on the scene quick. First game against Michigan, forced the fumble immediately. So he'll be missed on the football field. And obviously, we wish him luck wherever he goes. This was not something that either side wanted to have happen. I'm not sure we have anybody on the roster that's remotely in his skill set. I, I don't no. think there's any safety that we yeah. have that hits like that. That's we, not we to may, say that we don't have some talented players, but definitely we may not have some soon. We, yeah, we may yeah. have some this fall. We'll <laughs> but, touch but on that a little bit more. True, true freshman safeties are hard to uh, to have to get too far ahead of ourselves with with the uh, expectations. And we'll cover that, this more in the upcoming yep. segments because we are going to discuss the safety situation at Wisconsin. Also, point out that Pearson put a tweet out. Uh, his dad is also a coach. Put a tweet out. Essentially said. Coach Chris, everybody in the football staff fought for him. You know, there's no ill will. It's just one of those things where he couldn't get cleared at Wisconsin. And we obviously wish wish Reggie, you know, well in his future career and his future doings. And hope he stays in good health, too. I think he's a player we all liked. Uh, It's sad to see it happen. I hope for the best for him. Hopefully he can catch on somewhere else. Hopefully his health stays with him and he can find a way to, you know, accomplish all his goals. That being said, I'm going to go move, go ahead and move on to uh, some other news here. We do have a transfer coming in for the Wisconsin Badgers on the football team. Defensive end from the University of Oregon, Isaiah Townsend. You mean He's Oregon? A guy we're in a go- you got to pronounce it correctly. <laughs> Come on. It's Oregon. Oregon? I don't know. There's two schools of thought as to how to say it, but I think I'm saying it Oregon. correctly. I think I say it Oregon. Oregon, Oregon. Like when you play the potato, Oregon Trail, potato. you play Oregon Trail. Sorry, right? You don't play Oregon hijacked. Trail. I just, I just, I just hijacked the entire show based know, on the pronunciation you... of Oregon. Yeah, but, listen, you know, whatever. Listen, I'm from Wisconsin, all right. I have an accent. It's what, <laughs> it's what the world is. Just, just like everything Ryan says is Davidson. <laughs> I, it's, it's Oregon. <laughs> he did so, it again. <laughs> oh, it's never gonna leave me. You know what's interesting about Townsend coming in? That's the Oregon transfer. That's Kalaji's first recruit. I mean, he's 
he's not a high school recruit, but that's his first dude that we brought in since he was hired. I I like the body type that he's bringing in, 6'5", about 270. So he's a guy that's a little bit smaller than what we're used to on that defensive line, but I think he's a guy that fits kind of what they're looking to do a little bit more there. And we'll dig into this a little bit more in, in the future here. Uh, tonight's episode, people, we are going to go over – our five biggest questions. I do want to go ahead and issue a disclaimer on this. None of these are in any particular order. It is simply five things that we've kind of discussed, the three of us, to go over things that we're looking forward to hopefully getting some clarity on out of spring camp. We're going to go ahead and dig into those here in just a moment, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Bucky Cast. Follow us on Twitter at The Bucky Cast or email the show at thebuckycast at gmail.com. So we're going to go ahead and start off with number five here, which is going to be, can the Badgers running game return to form and become a dominant rushing attack again in the Big Ten for the 2021 season? You know, taking a look at last year, it it was not what we were hoping for in terms of our running game. I, you know, not to bash on him, but if Garrett Groshek is leading your rushing attack, it's not exactly what you're looking for when you have a guy who's a third down back and a guy who you're looking at for more as a versatile, you know, somebody to change change a pace more or less to come in there and be the guy that you're counting on to be your a receiver your and a blocker count. essentially exactly. is, was his function on third. He's not down. a guy you want to lean on for heavy carries. Um, Jalen Berger clearly was the guy who we thought you know was the guy that we are hoping for this next year. Ideally, he's the one that takes over, but we really don't have a lot of depth looking at this for this year of guys that we can take a look at and, and have high thoughts for. You know, I look at it and I see here, Berger had 60 carries for 301 yards, five yards a carry. You know, that's not bad, but, you know, can we see that kind of consistency? If he goes for higher carries, will his, you know, average drop or will it go up? You know, is he a guy who's going to start, you know, really exploding if he gets those extra carries or is a guy in these short bursts that ends up putting up good stats behind him. We have Isaac Garendo who effectively played in the Illinois game and then was never seen again. Julius Davis who had one carry. So we have a lot of questions coming into this season about the running game. Do not forget about walk on Brady shipper. <laughs> His four carries. If yeah, we're leaning on Brady shipper more than Julius who, Davis, <laughs> who is not a big back. If we're leaning on him, we're in for a really rough season. I honestly, there's three backs that I look at coming into this season who I I, I want to look at and say that these are the guys that we should have expectations for, and it's Berger, Garendo, and Julius Davis. And I'm not sure if we're leaning heavy on Jalen Berger that we're going to see the type of running game that we really are truly hopeful for for this year. And this isn't just the running game per se in terms of running backs. I think we need to look at this – in an all-around view, taking a look at the linemen too. A big question here, looking at the interior of the line, this is what we're kind of looking at in terms of our offensive linemen for this coming year. We had Tyler Beach, Tanner Bordellini, Logan Brown, Logan Bruss, Michael Fortney, Caden Lyles, Trey Wedig, Aaron Vopel, Josh Saltzner, Cormac Sampson, Joe Tipman, and Jack Nelson. And then we got a couple of guys who are, you know, kind of working their way into things in Ben Barton, Dylan Barrett, Sean Timmis, and Riley Malman. Shout out to Riley Malman. He's he's one of our followers on Twitter. Thank you, Riley. And, 
And uh, I think right now, I think we're all in agreement. The, the starting five, if we're based off of last year, we're looking at Beach probably at right tackle, Logan Bruss at left. I'm sorry, Lo- Logan uh, Brown at left, Logan Bruss at right guard, Caden Lyles at center, and probably Josh Saltzner at left guard. Sampson is probably your your backup center. Tipman's a guard. I would say Jack Nelson. I don't know if he's a right right tackle or left tackle. My guess is left. Um, I would say Trey Weddig's probably in the mix, maybe for right guard. And I don't know who you who would you put out there at at right tackle for a backup. Um, I would say don't don't necessarily sleep on Aaron Vopel. Um, he is still you know on the roster. I don't know if he'll he'll make that spot or not. This is a big if. This is uh, guessing who the offensive line starters is going to be is a huge crapshoot right now. It's it's tough. We just we don't know. We're I'm we're fairly confident that um, Beach, Bruss, and Brown are all going to be starters at those positions. That's that's like, and I would put that at like an 85 percent. Um, who the two interior other interior starters are going to be? Yeah, you sort of shrug your shoulders. And go, uh, I don't know. Caden Lyles had a really, I think we've discussed this in a previous podcast, but Caden Lyles had a rough year. Um, He didn't move very well last year at all. And Josh Seltzner, um, you you love his story and his work ethic. He's, he's limited. He's a very much a phone booth Mm -hmm. kind of guy. He's a brute, but he's not a guy that can move very well. Not laterally. You know, we're still we're we're kind of waiting on Joe Tipman and where he's going to wind up. Is he going to be center? Is he going to be left guard, right guard? Michael Fertney's still out there. Um, Michael Fertney is is I believe was listed as a backup last year. And you know, we have Cormac Sampson who can I believe play every single spot on offense. He may line up at running back. Who knows? The staff may ask him to drop like seventy pounds. They've done they've done they've done crazy things to him. Um, yeah, it's still hard to call who the, who this, who is going to be on this line and well, what their ultimate roles are going to be. If we're talking, I, oh, I was just going to say, if we're talking from a running game standpoint in regards to the offensive line, cause there's obviously a pass protection component to this as well. But our question really is, is the running game, you know, it's, it's conceivable when we include the tight ends into this, cause they play such a big part in the running game it's conceivable that the line from a running standpoint gets better. Like Lyles will be another year into it. Seltzer will be another year into it. Bruss will be another year into it. Logan Brown has the physical tools to be an absolute mauler just in the run game. Again, if we're just talking the run game, Rucci at tight end is going to be a year stronger, bigger, faster. He's already a pretty good blocker. So from the uh, protection, from a run blocking standpoint, I feel like the line, even with the loss of Van Lannan, who I, I don't feel like was a great run blocking tackle. I think we could take a step back in the pass protection, but from a run blocking standpoint, the majority of the line is back. It's bigger. It's a little faster, a little stronger, hopefully a little healthier with Lyles and Rucci will be another year into the program. So I think that aspect of the run game can be better, but it really comes back to the running backs in my opinion, because that's really where the talent deficiency has, has come in from where we had great running backs where we're not going to have a Jonathan Taylor, um, a Melvin Gordon, but can we have a Corey Clements? Can we have, you know, a, a guy in that caliber. And that's where I'm not sure of. And, I, think and that, I think the run block can be better. I think my perspective on this is a little different than yours because I think our our running game for this year truly hinges on just how good that offensive line is because I don't trust any of the backs. So to me, it's if we're going to be a really good running team this year, 
it's going to be because our offensive line is just dominant. But the line's not going to be dominant. That's the problem. Like it, I, I'm saying, the line can be better than last year, but it's not going to be when you say dominant. Like it, the, Seltzer's I not mean, a first round pick. I mean, Bruss isn't they, a first round pick. Bruss isn't a first they, round pick. Can they be really good against everybody except Ohio State? I think they can be good. I I don't think this is going to be a dominant Badger line. I think last year we were average at best. I, I I think it was a really inconsistent year from offensive line play. I think the running backs were not great vision-wise last year, and it's so hard to take a look at it and really get a feel for what we had there because I think Berger was kind of feeling his way through. Garendo, we have no idea what we have in him because, you know, he really – he didn't ever get a chance to really get rolling. Julius Davis, too. It's like – Hopefully these guys with the spring camp, we start to hear some big things about what these guys can do. Now, here's the thing that, and I mean, from a dominant standpoint, I really want to see the interior of the line take a step forward because I think they were a weakness last year. And I think it really hurt us against the teams that were more physical and the teams that were more experienced in Indiana and Northwestern, where they had upperclassmen who are guys that were you know, more physically imposing. We were not great on the interior. I, I, Lyles, I would say, was pretty average. Um, I think Seltzner, he could look good one moment, and the next moment he would be completely off his game. Right, but I guess my, my point on that is we know who those guys are at this point for the most part. Like fifth-year, fourth-year guys don't generally take giant jumps. They are who they are, so you're not going to get a big jump there. Well, that's the question I'm asking is, do we do we truly think that guys like Lyles and Seltzner are going to be actually playing this year? I think they'll get reps. I don't necessarily – I'm not penciling anybody in, given what we saw last year out of the running game, to say that this is a lock that you're going to be out there and playing. I do think that we have some young talent. I, I question whether some of the young guys are going to be ready to play. Guys like Bordellini, Barton, Barrett, the three Bs, those guys, I'm not sure they're going to be physically ready to play. You know, it, they get a year in the weight program now. It's possible they take a major leap. Bordellini definitely was a fighter at the time that he was out there, but he had a lot of work to do. You know, the other two guys, I'm not sure the, if they ever even saw the field. So I think, you know, a guy like Tipman potentially could jump in there. I think Cormac Sampson is a is an upgrade over Caden uh, Lyles I athletically. Think, I think that – Wisconsin, honestly, uh, I know they love offensive line versatility. That's something they preach. Uh, they need to pick some positions for these players and leave them there. Uh, I, th- I don't I, disagree with that at all. I, I'm, I'm really tired of line shuffling. Um, I realize you're trying to get your five best linemen out there and having them play multiple positions is great. But I feel like we've taken that to an extreme now, and uh, we have guys who are trying to play all five positions on the line. No, just just pick a spot for these guys. That's something you do if you don't have depth. I'm sorry. It's nice to have some some flexibility there. Like, I want to see a guard who can move over to center if you really need him to. But beyond that, we don't need to be shuffling these guys all over the place. And if you are, then you're taking away from development time at the, the position that they should be fine-tuning and really – you know, becoming great at, and we have so we have some really, really talented athletes at the tackle position. I don't want them worrying about guard. I want to see Jack Nelson and and Logan Brown go out there and become first round NFL tackles because they have the athleticism to turn into those guys. And to to wrap up on that point, maybe the the greater depth that we've recruited recently should hopefully, to John's point, eliminate some of the shuffling. Hopefully, yeah. right? Because you're not going to shuffle guys if if people solidify themselves in certain spots. So like, and that could for be example, a huge pull. 
Right, Dietzen, they may have realized the limitations of what they have. Right, I almost wonder if a guy like Dietzen would have been better suited to being a guard at some point if you had a guy like Nelson on one side and Brown on the other side established. And maybe just get less less shuffling now that the, the tackles that we brought into the pipeline develop. That would be the hope. I think I think he'd play tackle simply simply out of necessity. I mean, I think I don't think anybody's really debating that. That's what I'm saying. I think he he would have been suited as a guard. And that's fair to say. And from the running backs, I mean, we do have three freshmen coming in there. I don't know how you guys feel about them. I think it's a lot to put on a kid, especially – I mean, look at the guys that we have. We have Loyal Crawford coming in who has has been injury-prone his first two years. And that's – I'm not going to knock on the kid. And is also not that that's playing this in the year. Past. Yeah, also he's not, not playing. playing this year. He has not been on a field against high school-level athletes, let alone going into stepping into a Big Ten program and going against guys that are now a huge step up in talent. He'll be fresh. You know, so have, exactly. He'll be fresh, but <laughs> there'll be no, you're, all you're, the tread on the tires. The feel for the game is a big deal. And when yes. you're not used to going out there and playing against guys and the guys are athletically superior to what you're used to to begin with, you're going to have to be a transcendent type talent to jump in and just get rolling. Right. I don't um, think any of these these running backs, the freshmen are coming in and then stepping in right away. You know, because the other ones are Austin Roberts, who I, I like more than so. Disclaimer on Roberts. I like him a lot more than a lot of Badger fans seem to. I think he's really smooth and fluid, but he's he's not a stud recruit. He's not going to come in and, and be a lion share kind of a guy. What and the other guy's Jackson Aker. That's a great question. He, he's got fluidity in the hole. Like if you watch Austin Roberts, um, not to turn this into too much as a Roberts um, diatribe, but he has the ability to settle into the hole, be patient, jump, cut, and go. So he's got some patience, maybe like a, a, for Badger backs, maybe a little bit like a Monte Ball. Um, he, you know, the, not to put that label on him. He's a little more, he's a little more upright than him, but I get he's very upright. He's very upright, but he's not super fast. He, I think he just, he wins with his vision and his patience kind of running between the tackles, which is already a Wisconsin thing. So he comes in with that background. Back. He's also he's a little bigger, bigger back. Yep. And that has the potential to be a bigger back. And right now, like Wisconsin him. is at, at tapped out at big running backs. At six, two, I think he can legitimately carry two twenty mm-hmm. without any issue. I, I like him. He's my favorite back coming in, but that's he, I don't think any of them should be counted on to get a ton of reps this year. Oh. I, if at the end of the season they start to show some flashes, that's that's what I'm looking for from that group. If they come out there and they give like five carries a game and they're they're looking sharp in the few carries that they have, that's that's a nice thing to see heading into 2022. But I think it's a lot to ask any of those kids to step in for one. I'm not sure Roberts is physically ready. Like 190 pounds for a kid who's 6'2", that's pretty trim. You know, I'd expect him, if we if he was going to be rolling this year, I'd expect him at 210. Beyond that, you know, Crawford, it's possible if he really pushes it, but he's not an early, none of these guys are early enrollees. And I'm not sure Acker sticks at running back. So, I mean, Acker has some versatility. What, I mean, what, how would you look at his his actual skill set. Is he um, more of kind of like a hybrid between a fullback and a tailback? I don't he's, know he's that not he's, quite as quick as the other guys. I don't know that he's a hybrid anything. Um, I I think that he's just going to wind up sticking at either fullback or inside linebacker. That's just based on his body type. I mean, we, we just talked about Antoine Roberts being a big back. Jackson Aker's a big back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I question his speed. I, I, I also do, but I, I think he's a he's a phenomenal athlete, but I, I really yes. think he's gonna wind up being a fullback and probably a pretty good one. He's 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 a guy who's pretty developed physically, and for him to be running around a four six Which is plenty fast for a college back though. Like I'm saying, like sometimes people get a little twisted on 
the NFL projection. 4-6, if you check the other boxes, is plenty fast for a college back to be a good player. If you're looking at him to be a John Clay, but he's not going to have that type of mass. I mean, Clay probably was in the 4-6 range for most of his career, which isn't a bad thing. But, you know, there's been talk about him about how how he runs in terms of does he run to punish and stuff like that. In the well, past. that's a whole and separate question. Yeah, and then that is. Yeah. Because if he's going to run with physicality at his size, it's possible that, yeah, he could be a guy we consider there, especially if he has decent vision. But if he's a guy who's not going to be out there and punish people, if you're going to be a big back, I'm sorry, you got to be, you got to punish people when they try to tackle you. What does your gut feel next year's running game better or worse than this last season's? Well, it couldn't hardly be worse. Um, I have a feeling it will be better. Um, it's it's Wisconsin. They have a full offseason to prepare. They are going to be introducing some better players on the offensive line, ones more suited to the positions that they're playing. Um, I, I do think it will improve. How great it's going to be. Who do you think is going to be the starter? Like, I know Berger, we're, we're high on him, but do you think – I think there's potential here for things to evolve. And it really depends it, – it really depends on what Garendo and Davis do in, the, in spring and in fall. Because I think those two have – Garendo has all the physical talent in the world. The question is, do you have the vision and patience to be a back who can can find those holes and then explode? Because he's the most physically gifted. I don't think we're yes, going to know the answer. Sure. I don't think we're going to know the answer to this question until I, I literally think Julius, right before kickoff of the Penn State game. Sure, and I think Julius Davis out of the three of them is probably the best pure running back. All right, guys, moving on. We're going to take a quick break here, and we're going to come back with number four. You're listening to the Bucky Cast, where in-state recruiting includes Minnesota. Welcome back, guys. To the Bucky Cast. We're going to go over our number four question heading into spring here, which is the pass rush heading into 2021. I think we all had some questions, you know, based off of last year being a little bit different than what we're expecting in terms of our normal pass rush. We were, were very reliant on the middle linebackers in terms of that um, defensive line was was disruptive, I think it's safe to say, but they were not necessarily guys that were getting home a whole lot. I think Loudermilk was solid. I think Benton at times, I think he's explosive and is a guy that I think we can count on to a point, but I think he gets a lot of attention. And I think there's some changes that we've talked about here with Ross Kalaji coming in as the defensive line coach in terms of what we're looking at for this 2021 season in terms of what we want to see out of the defensive line. I know for this year, I think we have a pretty solid group coming into the the new season in terms of defensive linemen. You know, the big guys looking that we saw some reps from last year, obviously Benton and uh, Isaiah Mullins. Our guys were probably going to go ahead and put in on that first line along with Matt Henningsen. It's probably our top three there. Uh, outside linebackers, probably Nick Herbig and Noah Burks again. And I think we're it would shock all of us if we didn't see Leo Chanel or Jack Sanborn in the middle. Yeah, we um, the that sounds like a, a pretty solid front seven in terms of that's probably what it's going to be when we when we start. Um, I have I have many questions about uh, how the defense is going to generate more pass rush. Uh, we did not have a dominant pass rusher last year, unless you count Leo Chanel, who is literally dominant at everything. So um, we, and by we, I mean Wisconsin. Wisconsin uh, has has usually had at least one great pass rushing outside linebacker. Uh, last year, they did not. They had, uh, Nick Herbig had about as good of a 
true freshman year in a COVID year that you could possibly expect, but he did not get home to the quarterback very often. And Noah Burks, a uh, solid, solid kid. Um, also not a great, not a, not a guy who makes his living off the pass rush. He's more opportunistic. He's, yeah. He's definitely a run. He's a, he's a run defender. And uh, we've, from what we've seen, um, the limited amount we've seen from other linebackers, um, I think we've talked about this before, Isaiah Green-May, uh, IGM, we just don't know what we're going to get from him. This will be his fifth year in the program, and we have not gotten a full, healthy season out of him yet. Uh, he's very light, extreme, extremely, extremely skinny. He's all of six foot six, very tall. Um, but he has not yet shown an ability to consistently get to the quarterback. And CJ gets a uh, solid run stopping outside linebacker um, sets the edge really well. Not a whole lot of pass rush out of him either. So outside of Aaron Witt, who really flashed in the bowl game, uh, that's, a, I think that's a big concern. And an, another, another thing I want to touch on briefly, uh, especially with the transfer who just came in, it seems like Wisconsin is starting to go after guys who sort of occupy uh, the Julius Peppers role. Uh, if anyone remembers Julius Peppers playing on the Packers defense, um, he was sort of a, yes, he was sort of a, uh, a lineup anywhere, put your hand in the dirt or stand up, uh, 270 pounds, 275. Uh, Wisconsin's recruiting a lot more of those. And it makes me wonder, you know, how much more are we going to see these big 290, 300 pound uh three classic three, four defensive linemen and see Wisconsin go to almost a cloud defense where it's really just on third down. They're throwing out one big defensive lineman and a bunch of pass rushers. I think there's a couple of things to, to add into here. So the Townsend, the Oregon transfer, interesting thing with him is he actually earned a Tennessee offer. He ran a four, six, eight at their camp a couple of years ago. So you talk about a bigger guy who could move a little bit that four, six, eight got him a Tennessee offer. You know, so that's a guy who is coming in and I think it might be a guy that they targeted for a specific skill set. Like he's not necessarily a plugger, you know, like some of the guys we've recruited. He's a dude who on third down can come in off the defensive end, you know, not be a linebacker, but be a guy who can set an edge, but also generate some pressure because I feel like he's not a Garrett Rand 270 pounder. No, you know, yeah, this is a totally different move a little bit. No, he's not. He's not a freak athlete, you know, but he can move a little bit for his size. And I, I think what might end up happening is potentially trying to change the way they play, go a little bit from occupying blockers to penetrating more. By the way, I, that's something that has been said in the past as well. This isn't just this year. Some of that involves you got to find guys that can actually do that from a from a certain position. It's hard to do, but you can't find those guys until you look for them either. So I think there might be a bit of a shift here, and that Townsend might be the first indication that that shift is happening. You know, like we actually have a piece of tangible evidence now in the back pocket that says, oh yeah, no, they are not just talking about it. Like they did go out and find a well, dude who might fit that mold. TJ Bowlers and and to a lesser degree, Aaron Witt were also indications that they were heading in that direction. Um, a lot of Wisconsin's upcoming recruits were listed as defensive end slash outside linebacker. Uh, so I think that desire was always there to have a, like a, a bigger pass rushing defensive end type that you would normally see in a 4-3. It just speaks to Jim Leonard. He's trying to get more diversified, it seems, in generating pass rush on the line. I think, and it's it's hard to say because, I mean, looking forward on this, 
I really think that that's where they're headed. I think they want a lot of guys that can jump out there. I think they ideally that what they're the way they're looking at it, they would like to see their outside linebackers be guys who are in the 240 to 250 range who can run. Because I think they want that big body out there that can come come down hard. I think those guys are hard to find, but I think because Wisconsin's been so good at developing outside linebackers, I think they're having an easier time getting in on guys like that. And I think both Bowlers and Peterson are those type of guys. I, it bothers me when they get classified as being tweeners because, let's be honest, if you're 6'3 and have any decent length, there are plenty of defensive lines and linemen are in the NFL at 6'3 on the edge at that size that are 250, 260 that can play there. You know, that's not a problem. Dropping in coverage, you could say that. And true, you probably don't want him one-on-one all the time against a, a running back. But Wisconsin's done a pretty good job of finding some versatility there in type of guys. Uh, you know, you have somebody like, you know, Nick Herbig, who I, I think we would be shocked to see him carry more than 240. I think he's probably 235 with his body type is about what you expect. Um, a couple of those other guys, you know, that are going to be small. Caden Johnson's probably a guy who's going to be around 240. I think if you start getting some of these guys a lot bigger, then they start to lose some of that athleticism. I don't think Witt's going to get. I don't think Witt's going to get a ton bigger. Like he's not going to. I don't think Witt's going to get up to 270. He's going to be like. I don't. I think he, he will carry 250, 255, and he's going to be. He's a, a guy pretty, who is explosive at that size. I'm going to disagree on that one. He's a pretty tall, lanky kid. I mean, he's probably six foot four. 270 and is a lot of weight to carry. 270 is a lot of weight. He, I, I was gonna say, I think he's listed at six five. I'm, I'm, I'm underestimating to be on the side of caution, but he's got a very long frame. I think his weight will be tied completely to his explosiveness and his ability to move. I think if they think he can carry 270, they'll let him play at 270. Why? Because having that extra five pounds or whatever a muscle is not necessarily a bad thing when you're taking on a tackle. It's not a bad so, thing if you can carry. There's not a lot of human beings who can be six five and carry two seventy really, really well. No, but if you can, it'd be amazing. Like, and I really like Witt sure. as well. I just, I, and it really depends on what they see him as because he may be a guy that they just say pin your ears and go. Like we could be, he. We've done that before with linebackers where we, we say they're playing in a three four and it's effectively you're just a stand up pass rusher. Yeah, I, mean, I also, I also think Herbie. We're gonna see and John. You you brought him up. He. He did amazingly well for a true freshman coming off a of COVID year. I think we're going to see a gigantic jump from Herbig. Oh, for sure. Like, I think he's going to be a total star. Physically, he was not ready to totally be taking on tackles. Like, he's a guy that has a lot of effort, and he definitely showed better than a true that motor, freshman. That motor runs so high for that dude. Exactly. And But you could tell him with an extra 10 to 15 mm-hmm. pounds of muscle is going to make a huge difference with I him. I think he's going to be a problem. He's going to be a, a oh, huge sure. problem. He's so explosive. Mm. I mean, we saw it in high school. He'd play some of the top teams in the country, and he would just single-handedly wreck offenses. As, as John cracks so, another beer. So that's the, I, the I, do, of, I will say this. I do think Isaiah Townsend is going to be in that quiet. rotation. Yeah, I, do too. I, I think, think he's going to be a reason. guy that they see out there. The other exactly. interesting thing really quick, and not to – Dennis, we probably covered enough of Townsend, the, the Oregon transfer – He's got four more years in the program. This is not a transfer that's a short-term fix. Like he's he's going to be a potential mainstay in the rotation for the next three or four years. Like that's a very important pickup potentially. Does does this call into question a little bit the utility of some of the players they recruited in the past? I mean, Rodas Johnson was at one time a borderline four-star 
prospect and we haven't heard a peep about him. I think he played briefly in the bowl. Uh, Gio Pia's same thing. Uh, I think he's going to end up being a, a nose tackle, to be quite honest. I think he can carry the weight. Pius. I just I feel I think like he can carry three fifteen. I think that I think that um, guys like uh, James Thompson Jr. and uh, Cade McNamara. Cade, wait, no, McDonald. McDonald. Cade McDonald. Cade McNamara is a quarterback in Michigan. I apologize, folks. Shouldn't have cracked. Yeah, we definitely this. don't want him playing on the defensive line. Yeah, that wouldn't be a good idea. <laughs> See, this is what happens when I crack a second beer. Those guys have uh, uh, sort of. Uh, it seems like they've passed up the other defensive linemen that were recruited. Um, we have not heard uh, 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 much said about Boyd Dietzen either. And those guys were all recruits um, who were fairly prominent from you know 2018 and 2019. Well, and it was also a light recruiting class last year. We just brought in yeah. Mike Jarvis, correct? We didn't bring in any other defensive linemen in last yes. year. Yes. And, so, and this, uh, there's a legitimate question out here about how many of these guys are going to stick long term if if we have had a huge philosophy change here. Because if that's the case, you're going to start going after guys who are going to be more athletic. And are you just going to deal with it for a few more years where some of these guys, until those guys are developed? Do you start moving some of those outside linebackers that maybe show the ability to jump up to 265 and be disruptive? And we want to point out here at the Bucky cast before we go any further, this is not a rip on any of those players we talked about. Not at all. No, this is I just think it's this necessarily is a football fit. talk. So before anyone goes out and says, hey, Boyd, guess what these guys said about you? That is, this is not a negative discussion of Boyd. I, I'm not necessarily sure that the defense is going to be what it was viewed as when he was recruited. And that's not a, it's not a disservice to him. I'd love to see him go out there and be great, especially given that he's a homegrown kid. I'd love to see him go out there and do well, but I'm not necessarily sure that he's a total fit for what they're looking for. Now he may very well be, I'd love to see him blow up. I know that he's had a couple of years now to kind of develop and it'd be great to see him take a big jump this year. Um, I think Thompson is going to be a guy that we see something from. I think he he has the explosiveness. Provided um, he comes back from the injury correct. that he had because that looked bad. Yeah. But hopefully he's back at full strength. The question for you guys, real quick. Do you think that either the, the young guys that are coming in at offensive lineback, outside linebacker are going to push? It's so hard as a freshman. Like Herbig did, but there was also a hole. I could see, and we're going to talk about it a little bit later with bowlers. I could see bowlers in some packages just because he's also going to be here. He's here now. He's an early rolly, which is a huge deal. Aside from that, I think it's just so tough for a true freshman to come in and, and take reps from people who have been here for there, years. There are, there are, sorry, Ryan, I didn't mean to cut you off. There are a lot of players at outside linebacker ahead of all these freshmen. Um, we're, we haven't even, we didn't even talk about Spencer Little. Let's not forget from just the 2019 recruiting class, that was a big deal getting Spencer Little. I was going to say, I was actually just going to bring him up. Do we feel like he pushes? And, or Caden Johnson, now that well, he's got a year in the system. They'd better now because there's all sorts of players coming in. Well, and, we saw uh, Little last year a little bit, and I'm curious what you guys thought. To me, he looked – Little looked like a maybe a little more potentially athletic version of that run-stopping edge that – Garrett Dooley was that Noah Burks is so See, that might think, be Little's Little's role going forward I, I think honestly Spencer Little is meant to be more of a, a guy who drops who who is a, a drop linebacker he could come on the blitz or he could drop back into coverage I don't think he's going to be a hard edge setter like say a Getz 
or a wit is going to be. Do you guys think that Noah Burks holds on to his position? Out of probably. sheer tenacity, yeah, he's probably. going to hold on to that position. Or do, see, this is the position that I feel like some things could change, and that's in that we we become far more situational. That he's a guy who's in on first and second down, which are rundowns, and then they bring somebody else in as a pass rusher. Because I think we know that's not necessarily his strength. It's nothing wrong with that. He's very good at setting the edge in the run game. But I think that it wouldn't shock me if they're like, hey, we got some other guys who's just are better fit for what we want to do here on third down. And I wouldn't be shocked if, say, Witt comes out there on third down and they put him out there opposite of uh, Herbig or, you know, Getz or, you know, even maybe Caden Johnson flashes in the spring here and shows something. So same question we had with the running backs. Is the pass rush improved this year? Yes or no? I, I again, and it could, it couldn't, it couldn't get worse. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so we had a lot of worries this last year. So it's not like they they weren't close. No, it the defense finishing. The defense was was good, but again, the sack numbers were not there as compared to previous defenses. I have I have a quick theory with that, and then we can kind of wrap up on it. Part of the issue I feel like we had lower sack numbers is we lacked that outside pressure. So if inside linebackers will typically flush quarterbacks on pressure. If a quarterback can get around the edge, you don't have that outside guy to track him down. So I feel like we we got into the pocket quite a bit, but we couldn't finish. And it's because we lacked that outside guy who could really finish off the play, which hopefully Burks I'm hoping this super year. explosive and nope. Herbig was just not physically ready right. to be that guy. And I think this now, year we're in a better spot on the outside. But I think that we could be – very disruptive from both Chanel and Sanborn. And I think Chanel takes a big jump this year. Okay, he's a it monster. wouldn't shock me to see how many more jumps. In, how many more jumps can that dude take though? Like he can't get stronger. I, I think he can he be a six or seven. Get stronger. I, I don't think that he's going to be physically stronger. I think he's going his instinctual. He's going to be a guy right. that is just going to make plays. No, he, he'll get back. I say that. I say that somewhat tongue in cheek. I mean, because yeah. with more reps, oh, better. I'm just saying from but a there's physical other guys. standpoint, he like is we haven't gotten to them. Player. Looking at the inside linebackers, guys like Malik Reed, who are now that they fast. have a year under their belt, he's fast, very fast. But he's a guy that we could expect to potentially be disruptive out there too. You know, we just saw Preston Zachman in the weight room a little earlier this week, showing up a little bit. Is he a guy that he definitely has speed? So he's a guy bodies. that definitely has some bursts. That but is he a is a guy that is a little light, and he's not necessarily a guy who's used to playing inside linebacker. Um, but for sure, I mean, there are there's a lot of versatility and skill types that are in this defense right now that give them some flexibility if guys start to flash. All right, guys, with that, we're going to go ahead and take another break here real quick, and we're going to come back with number three. You're listening to the Bucky Cast, where we believe wings can be breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Welcome back, Bucky Cast. We're on to number three, which is the safety position we're going to go over for this year. Um, with Pearson leaving, I think all of us are a little concerned about the depth there at that position. And there's there's a lot of young guys there that we haven't necessarily seen a whole lot of. Uh, the starters right now we're looking at are Scott Nelson and Colin Wilder. Um, we've seen a fair bit of John Torchio at that position also out on the field. Um, Titus Toller was out there a little bit this last year getting a few reps in here and there. He was kind of injury prone this last year. So hopefully if he stays healthy, he's a guy that we could see some big things from. And then we also have Travion Blaylock, who had some reps out there. And a couple of young guys that we're expecting to see in the fall in Braylon Allen and Hunter Wooler. Now Allen, I think, is a guy we could kind of look at as he's going to be a hybrid at best. 
you know, getting into him a little bit. He's definitely put on some mass. I, I don't know how many of the listeners have seen it, but the guy has put up to 240 right now. Wait, I don't think they probably want him to get a whole lot heavier there, whether he's a linebacker or a safety. If he gets so any heavier, he... he's going to be able to roll cars over. Um, <laughs> he can already roll cars over. Dude. I don't think he's a box safety. He's coming in as a freshman at 240. Like, when have we ever had a safety coming in at 240? Like, that's – he's there, – there, listen, I, I there's situational – there's situational it's aspects situation. where, where you can play like a 4-2-5 and he's the fifth defensive back that also can come down in the box. But like he's not going to be a safety at that way. That, but that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those situations. Unless he's Brian he's a- or a locker. Unless, right. you know. <laughs> Which, unless he's one of the top you know, 50, not 60 football players. In those- <laughs> on you, Braylon. In the last 20 years. <laughs> Like safeties at that weight just don't exist at Wisconsin or or just about any other school for that matter. So, I, well, here's a quick question on this: Do you see either of those true freshmen coming in and gaining meaningful playing time? I could see. Don't. I could see Hunter Wooler. Uh, see, I don't on that one. It wouldn't stun me. So I, I don't mean to like to shut the door on that. It wouldn't stun me, but I would be very surprised if Wooler came in. He's not an early enrollee. And Nelson's been in the program for, I think, three or four years now. Well, a lot of depth. Wilder has been in the program for a long time. There's depth behind him with Torchio and Toller and Blaylock. I just think that's hard for a true freshman to come in and take reps from those people. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna jump in here because um, everyone remembers the 2019 defense and the combination of Burrell and Pearson at safety and how utterly physical they were. I mean, it was scary for opposing uh, skill position players to get into the middle of the field, downfield, because there were two guys waiting there to kill them. Not not kill them, but you know what I mean. Uh, they just, they hit everything that moved. And that was a lot of the reason for that defense's success was just it was so hard to get past those guys. Uh, Wisconsin didn't have that last year. That physicality was just missing. And that... I, I don't want to say that hurt occasionally, but it, it, it kind of did. Um, there were there were plays given up on defense, and we had a great defense last year. But um, there were plays given up where it was fairly obvious that um, we didn't have an intimidating presence in the middle of the field. And no offense to Scott Nelson and, and Colin Wilder, um, they are not big physical safeties. They are, are center field type guys, and, and Scott Nelson has been injured more times than uh, any player on the roster, maybe outside of Isaiah Green May. Uh, he's had a lot of knee problems, and that's not good for your, you know, sort of classic free safety. I guess it's the strong safety in Wisconsin's defense who is asked to drop back and cover in those deep quarters. And we saw him get burned a couple times for touchdowns uh, just because he's, he's not built for that. Wisconsin needs a physical presence again, and probably a more athletic option playing the, the deep center field role. That may be a spot where you could see Titus Toller or Travian Blaylock play a bigger role. Uh, both came in, uh, Titus Toller came in, obviously a well-thought-of recruit, um, more of a classic free safety. Uh, we saw him, you know, in the couple games we saw, he, he was a ball hawk. He was looking for the ball, looking to jump routes. Uh, Blaylock's a former cornerback. I just, I, I, Scott Nelson, when he came in, was supposed to be that center field type. I think his knee injuries have cost him. And I'm not a Scott Nelson hater. I know they exist out there, uh, which is 
utterly ridiculous, but he's he he is who he is, and I think right now he just doesn't have the the deep speed to be able to cover those deep quarters. Colin Wilder also, um, you know, he he makes plays occasionally, but he's not a physical intimidating presence. See, I view this somewhat differently than you. Um, I think Nelson is athletic enough. Uh, my question on him is is mentally. He needs to get rid of the mental hiccups because every once in a while he'll, you know, get the wrong read or whatever and take himself out of position and then he gets burned or he's just, a, he makes a misstep and lets a guy get behind him. Um, I question whether Colin Wilder will hold on to his position. I think that we do have several guys who I think are an athletic upgrade. Now you're right. And from the standpoint, I think that Hunter Wooler fits that spot the best out of the guys that we have. I think that you can make the – it's a definite argument. You could say that Blaylock and, and Toller fit Scott Nelson's position better than they fit that uh, free safety, come down in the box, you know, make plays in the run game, where I think Hunter Wooler can do that. I think he's the most versatile – he'll be the most versatile skill set that we have in that safety room once he gets on campus because I think he's capable of playing both free safety and strong safety. And coming up and you know making plays in the run game, but also patrolling center field if they needed him to. He clearly likes hitting people. Like he clearly brings the lumber, mm-hmm. and he would bring an element to John's point. He absolutely brings that, like Caputo, Pearson, Jay Valai. Oh, yeah, but he's more athletic of a physical hammer that is is important. He's, he's like Caputo. He's like Caputo, but more athletic. It's right. and bigger. It's just it's an absolute necessity in that defense. Yeah, and he to brings have that. that guy. That it adds a whole new element to Wisconsin's defense. I just have a hammer down there who can drop in and just dominate that secondary run box. Well, to Justin's point, he's also athletic enough to peel out on a tight end. To I don't know if he's a true center field athleticism for a D1 safety, but he's definitely athletic enough to play in the backfield. So there's a lot to like there. I think Blaylock, we talked about um, some of the other names. Blaylock's a guy who, like you said, came in as a corner, so he has cover skills. But if you've seen his workouts lately, um, and this is something Reggie Pearson actually retweeted, that dude has put on a lot of muscle. Like, he looks really good. And that's somebody Pearson tweeted out is going to have a breakout season, is is uh, Travion Blaylock. So he might be in role to be that second safety as well. I know there were whispers about that, that they felt really strongly with uh, he when, looks, when uh, Madison, Madison Cohn left. Cohn said it too. That there's... There's some guys that are some young guys that are are really flashing. That was part of the reason why he left. And good for some of these kids. You know, they came in. I think the 2018 recruiting class, and we have not heard anything from either Travian Blaylock or Alexander Smith, who I know is off topic, but is a, a big corner who has gotten a lot of positive uh, run behind the scenes from people saying, you know, this kid is not a joke. He may break into those top four or five corners. I, I love to see players who just couldn't find a role and then make a position move. And all of a sudden they, you know, they found their calling. And I'm really hoping that with Travian Blaylock, that that's what happens, that he finds that, you know, safe moving to safety was the best thing that happened to him. I agree. I think that we're going to be solid at the safety position this coming year. I think that we may not, we're, we're not going to see somebody. I think that's going to be Pearson, but yeah, I think expecting like a Burrell, Pearson type safety play is, is probably asking too much. Could we see a step under that? I think that's reasonable. I think we have some, there's still talent there, but Burrell was really good. I think he's a guy who's going to end up playing in the NFL, whether it's special teams or whatever, or as a backup safety. 
I could see Toler and Blaylock being guys that really flash and really push those guys. I, Wisconsin is one of the few schools that will will rotate those guys a lot. So we could see Nelson and and Wilder come out. You know, Torchio had rep, quite a few reps out there. But I think that Blaylock and Toler are really going to be guys that are going to get some reps out there. And I think Wooler eventually will will find his way in there if he picks up the defense quick enough. Yeah, I think for him it's just a matter of how quickly he picks it up. Once once he picks up the playbook, the athletic tools are are off the charts. Well, all right, guys, we're going to go ahead and take another break real quick here, and we're going to move on then to number two. You're listening to the Bucky Cast, where the only stitch fix we trust is Paul Christ. All right, welcome back to the Bucky Cast. We're here with John and Ryan again, and we're going to go over number two on our list of spring questions that we we have. You know, going into this, I think this last year, one of the things that we we were hoping to see a little bit more of that we really didn't get out of the offense was play out of that second tight end. And I think that it's something that really adds another dynamic to the offense at Wisconsin if we see somebody who can come out there and make plays. Now, coming into this year for 2021, I think we're all looking for that position to be more productive, whether it's you know just jumping out there and being a guy who can give you that 10, 15 catches on the season and, and just provide a threat there where the defense really has to think about that guy coming out and doing some things or even just being a guy who's really productive in the run game. You know, so going into this year, I mean, the depth chart looking at it, we have obviously Jake Ferguson is our number one. Hayden Rucci has been the guy who's been the the number two, mostly run run guy. Uh, Clay Cundiff and Cam Large are probably the two guys that we expect, as well as Jake Eschenbach, who's probably the backup more to Jake Ferguson. You know, he's a guy that you go up there, it's more of a pass threat. And then we have two guys who are, you know, looked at as potential big players in uh, Jalen Franklin and Koldakovich and guys who can be more of a pass threat, you know, bring some athleticism to that position. I think it's asking a lot probably of Dakovich for this year. He's probably got some time to develop there yet. But I think a lot of us would like to see a few packages in there for Jalen Franklin if he can show it. You know, he doesn't necessarily have to be a super big tight end in that role to be a guy who can come out there and give you 10, 15 plays a game and split out. You know, I think he's big enough that he can crack down on a guy and make a play. If we have wide receivers that can do it, I think Jalen Franklin can definitely come down hard on a, a linebacker or a defensive end. Jalen Franklin so is another one of those really athletic players that you're just you you pray he's not a coach killer. Um, they've moved him around a couple times now. He came in as a tight end. They moved him to outside linebacker where he was flashing good potential, and then decided to move him back to tight end because of depth issues. And he's obviously a phenomenal athlete. You know, we didn't see him last year after he moved to tight end. And I do you think it was depth way. issues? Or do you think it was because potentially they saw what was coming in at that outside th- linebacker position? No, I think what they saw was that they didn't have a game-breaking tight end and one of those really athletic players. Jake Ferguson is is one of those players. He's, he's a traditional he's wide a, receiver, well, tight end. He's, well, he's, tight end. He, he's the H-back tight end, essentially. And he's more like a wide receiver than he is a run blocker. Obviously, he can run block, too. I'm not going to speak ill of, of Barry's uh, grandson. Uh, not on As mentioned show. on every broadcast. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, Jake Ferguson has, has shown things, but he's it's become it's gotten to the point where he's really the only tight end who does anything. 
Uh, Hayden Rucci, I think we only saw one past him last year, and it skipped off his hands at Northwestern and became an interception. Uh, so I'm waiting for him to show something. Clay Cundiff is a huge unknown. Uh, Jack Eschenbach, uh, big former wide receiver, uh, you would think would, would be able to make an impact. But last year we saw him get run, and he just he didn't do a whole lot. Um, so he didn't I think like he separated very well in the, the little bit that I saw of him. I expected him to be have more burst, so be more athletic. Yeah. And so we behind that, you know, Cam Large is expected to be more of the traditional, you know, blocking tight end type. I don't know what Clay Cundiff's role is. We haven't seen enough of him. Cole Dakovich, we're still polishing him. Um, Jack Pugh, who we're going to talk about, you know, shortly, could probably fill that H back role. So, but Wisconsin doesn't have like a, a really dominant tight end to take over from Jake Ferguson. And that's becoming a worry and a problem because Wisconsin's offense used to run on tight ends. And even when we had, you know, we may have had a dominant tight end, but there were always secondary guys who could be relied on to make plays. I, I, the one that jumps immediately into my mind is Sam Arneson. Um, I, uh, yeah, I don't know if anyone solid, remembers Sam solid. Arneson, but he was yeah, sort absolutely. of a, a blocking like two or three tight end who would leak out and catch passes. Okay, looking at thinking of him as exactly as the guy you're talking about here, are any of these tight ends less athletic than him though? No, this is actually because Arneson was not a great athlete. No, no, he wasn't he was, at he was all. Very good pass catcher. I imagine if they wanted to get Rucci a little more involved in the passing offense, they probably could have. But last year was just <laughs> last year was just a funky year. Like this is a very young group of tight ends overall, aside from Ferguson. Like so, you have Ferguson on one side. And on the other side, you have Franklin, you have Pew, you have Large, you have Cunduff, you have Rucci. Those are all young, young dudes, and Dakovich as well. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see this group grow because especially the group of, of Rucci, Large, and Pew, those are very well-recruited kids. I, I think Pew had an – or Large had like an Alabama offer. Pew had a Penn State offer. Like there's a lot of uh, pedigree with that group, and I think they'll grow into it. For this year, Franklin to me is the big question. Because everything you guys have said is 100% true. He, they really want him to be that explosive, stretch the seam, create mismatches. They can roll out two tight ends and spread him out against a slow linebacker. Lance um, Kendrick. Can he do it? Lance Kendrick, exactly. Yep. Immediate comparison that pops into people's minds. And that's putting a lot of pressure on Jalen Franklin because Lance a ton of pressure. was a, a freak. But that's so, definitely what they want. They yes. want that element of... It's it's totally the the Kyle and Mike Shanahan type of offense where you can run two tight ends, a fullback, and a halfback out there, and then split those guys and create matchups. Because the defense can't go light if you have two tight ends, so they have to respect the running game, and then you can create matchups out of that. Tight ends in the drag route was something that we have missed in this offense for a long time now. Tight and ends it's something on the that screen. when we had guys, we haven't. Yeah. You know, we haven't utilized tight ends like that in a long time. And I want to say it's almost because we haven't had enough tight ends to do it. Mm-hmm. But I remember like going going back to that Champ Sports Bowl and watching. Yes, the, the uh, Miami one. Hendricks. Yes. Hendricks just torched them on crossing routes. They couldn't stay with them. Like he was, he was 6'4", 230, 235. And a guy that would just cut across the middle, and they couldn't they couldn't track him with a linebacker. Yep. And that's who they desperately and, want Franklin to be. Exactly. And if he turns into that, uh, and I'm not to say well, like, he doesn't I, need to turn Franklin, into Kendricks. Like he doesn't. Frank, yeah, Ken, Kendricks ran what? I'm going to guess he probably was running a high four six or something like that. Kendricks was he phenomenal. Was a, he was a, 
And I think that they have some guys that have that type of list. Like, I think Franklin is a guy that probably runs around that range. You know, low four sevens, probably that four six range. So that I think he's a guy who can do it if he can figure out how to run the routes and how to, you know, if he's got good hands. Yeah, that's let's but, let's be clear here. The <laughs> hands aspect is the question with virtually every tight end we currently have on the roster because we've not seen any of them do anything like that. And I, I, I'm really nervous about the fact that the only guy we've ever seen anything out of is Jake Ferguson. And there's, there's no one else, no one else. I'm not sure that's, that's fair completely though, given how young they are. We had a quarterback last year. Well, and how young the tight ends are. We really haven't had well, a chance that, to see we were, either. We were so young across the board that it's like, you can't say that the guy can't do it until but it's, he's proven it, that It's been an issue for a couple of years now. It has. And that's it a valid really question. Has. We, we have not had two good tight ends. And if you remember how good we were when we'd have two really high-level tight ends, this offense is nearly impossible to cover. Like, they just march it right down the field because you can't cover it. Like, if you have guys that know how to run routes at, at tight end, there's so many little things you can do to get those guys open because the defense has to account for them blocking too. And if you don't, suddenly a guy's got a five yard run before he even get rolling. Well, and to John's point, like it's, that's a very valid point that we, we haven't seen anyone behind Ferguson step up, but the, the, you know, the counterpoint of the, when we talked about is they're so young that they also haven't had a chance. It's kind of a chicken and egg thing. So they're going to get their opportunity. Um, hopefully there's something there because once Ferguson leaves to John's point, we absolutely have no proven entities right now. Which is a little a little interesting for a Wisconsin program that, for so long, has had always had that next guy up at tight end. We've brought in quite a bit of talent. It's not like we're mm-hmm. bringing in low. No, they're good recruits. Low, you know, rated low rated guys. These are guys that are all high three star, four star type tight ends. So I expect somebody to be at least functional at that role. All right. Well, we're gonna go ahead and leave it there. We're gonna move on to our last topic here. We're gonna take a little break, and we'll be back to finish up with you guys. You're listening to the Bucky Cast. Follow us on Twitter at the Bucky Cast or email the show at thebuckycast at gmail.com. Welcome back, and we're on number one, our final of the uh, spring questions that we have going into here. We're going to go over who we think of the young players that we're hoping to see pop this year. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to start out on here, and I have two guys that I think that I really want to see make a, a nice jump this year to get into the rotation and they are James Thompson and Malik Reed. And I think that they're two guys that I think are positions that we could, that we have some flexibility at and they're just opportunity. I think Thompson already last year, it proved that, you know, he got injured, but it proved that they were high on him given that it was early in the season. They were already getting him out there in, in garbage time to see, you know, have him get his feet wet. I think the same thing with Malik Reed, and I think it's just a skill set thing to me. And I think that there's there's reps to be grabbed at that middle linebacker position. And I think that he's a guy that projects there athletically well that I think we can see hop into the two deep this year. I'm going to go with, um, with Devin Chandler and Jack Nelson. Uh, Jack Nelson's just a really impressive player to me. Um, prototypical tackle. Um he has a ton of athleticism. I, I I feel like he's going to be the swing tackle this year, um, and that's no offense to anybody else. Devin Chandler just he he showed a lot of potential um, last year, and I would foresee him you know 
busting into the it if we weren't returning so many seniors i could easily see him being one of the top four wide receivers i think we'll see a lot more of him this year i agree with that i think we have high hopes on on both of the young dk and uh chandler making a jump this year no, those are what great. about you right yeah those are great picks guys like i think the nelson pick in particular could um he could just completely blow up with his physical tools um, we don't both care what guys... you think, Ryan. <laughs> John is losing it here. Um, no, both of you guys are in the secondary. Um, which the interesting thing with Leonard is one of the things that Leonard has really done is he shuffles it around. So if he finds people that he, you know, he really feels can fit a specific matchup or a specific skill set, he'll throw them out there. So Blaylock, Travion Blaylock, we already talked about. So we're not going to go much into him. Just from a rumor, kind of a smoke standpoint, there's been enough said kind of around the program from guys leaving the program, Reggie Pearson, Madison Cohn, that Blaylock has really made some physical jumps. So as a former corner who could transition to safety, have a level of physicality and a ability to cover, he could be a really interesting player. My other guy is an early enrollee coming in this year, Al Ashford. The interesting thing with Ashford is he's a legit six foot one tall cornerback that has track speed. And we just don't get many of those guys. We either get the five nine guy who's who's pretty fast and quick, or we get the six two guy who's a little slower. Ashford has the prototype, the kind of prototypical measurements of what you look for in that position. So to get him in, he's an early enrollee. There's there's a lot of clay to work with there. Um, and if he can pick up the playbook, it once shocked me to see him work into the two deep. He also he's is really good. Guy. He's also really good at keeping a secret. Um, which yes. I think is, is very good, you know, when it comes to disguising your coverage. I don't, that's completely tangential. For no one, for anyone who has not heard the story, um, Al Ashford committed to Wisconsin and, quite frankly, stunned everyone, even his own parents. Didn't even tell his parents. Yes, he hid a Wisconsin <laughs> hat. He had a press conference. He hid a Wisconsin hat under the table. Actually, think it was a he, bottle of sanitizer. It's a bottle of hand sanitizer. Oh, actually, was it a bottle of hand sanitizer? That he had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe yeah, I'm thinking something about that. I just remember, you know, all of a sudden it was like, oh, wow, that's that's incredible because he had all these other schools' hats on on his table, and no one even knew he had an offer. So <laughs> it was it was probably the most he had a leg roll spurt. I've seen in five years. Yes, yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, he had a leg roll spurt. He got big. He grew from He's five eight fast. six one. And put on what thirty pounds? Yeah, I mean he, he looks the part too. Like if you, he looks the part. And put on another ten and ten in the spring lifting. Yeah, like he could make noise because he has all the athletic tools that you look for at that position. We're gonna go ahead and wrap it up this week, guys. Uh, look forward to our next show. We're gonna go over kind of a wrap up on the basketball team for this year. Um, you know, had a tough loss to Baylor in the tournament. Uh, we'll go over that a little bit more in the next show and kind of give a wrap-up on what we think and a little look forward, hopefully, into the the 2021 season in the fall. And we would, uh, be, remiss, we we would be remiss in not mentioning the fact that the uh, men's hockey team has just drawn a number one seed in the NCAA tournament for the Frozen Four. So we're also looking forward to seeing that. I believe the first game is on either Thursday or Friday. So we had some technical uh, difficulties that cut off the very end of our show, but uh, we wanted to thank everyone for tuning in and listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. This was episode six of the Bucky Cast, and we hope you tune in next time. Uh, we all love talking Badger sports, so we really appreciate the support and the time. Thanks, guys. On Wisconsin.
Thanks so much for listening to the Bucky Cast. If you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate it, and we'll catch you next time on Wisconsin.